This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. And I'm trying to think of something something clever to insert here, but there's nothing clever. It's just another wonderful week on the Laravel News Podcast. Good evening to all our American listeners and my friends. Actually, okay, so I had a clever... Okay, this was clever. It wasn't clever. It was probably stupid, but this is what I was going to say to enter the show. To all my friends, good evening, and to all the Australians, good afternoon. Now we're talking. It is. It is a great afternoon. Right, because... Did you catch that? Because I said... To all my friends. Yeah. Oh, no, I get it. Good evening. Yeah. And yeah, to no, all the I, I see where we stand. I get it. <laughs> I totally understand. We're not friends. <laughs> I was trying I was just trying to be funny and I don't <laughs> I, I don't know. That was when I that was when you messaged me a little while ago and you're like, Did you fall asleep again? And I had a little ridiculous conversation <laughs> with myself for a couple of minutes there and and then I said I was just trying yeah. to be cheeky. Hello cheeky. Quotes. Is that cheeky. something you guys yeah. say? Yeah, yeah, Do you guys cheeky. say cheeky? I looked up the definition. Hold on. Cheeky. It is impudent. Impudent? Yeah. Impudent or irreverent, typically in an endearing yeah. or amusing way. A cheeky yeah. grin. A cheeky grin? So I was being cheeky. Or a cheeky I thought beer? That was pretty good or use. a cheeky snack? Yeah. Yep. We won't talk about whispers. Whispers was my favorite Australian <laughs> thing that I learned for quite some time. <laughs> Did we talk about that? On I don't remember that. Everything kind of show. melds together for me. I rely on the show notes for largely remembering what the topics of conversation were but any throwaway lines are beyond me agreed speaking of speaking of exciting things this is episode 50 wow crowd cheering insert right here wow we did it i think we're only responsible for maybe half of that not even not maybe less probably less not even yeah a third of it a third yeah about that a third about about nine months okay a third okay nine months worth so we we did it, made it, episode 50, which means we've got some special stuff for you folks listening today. We have got FBAR2 promo codes to give away. In addition, we also have codes for a application called Focus, which we'll be talking about a little, uh, a little bit later. I've got like 20 codes. So we're actually going to spread these out a little bit. We're going to put a couple on probably like five on today's show. And then five on our North meets South the next time. And then five on Laravel News. And then five on the other one. So we'll kind of go back and forth. But that's the plan. So thanks so much for listening, everybody. Thanks for being 50 episodes in with us. And we wanted to give you away some free stuff. Just <laughs> that's how words, excited you that's are. That's what we wanted you to do. so excited. We couldn't even stuff. get the words out. That's how excited I am. I'm, I'm that excited. So with that in mind, we have got a couple things to talk about today. We've got two updates to the Laravel framework, which is why we are all here. We've got results to a Laravel survey result, the 2017 Laravel survey result. We've got some cool community packages and tutorials that we've kind of looked through before the show began for the first time in a long time. Instead of just reading them on air, we're kind of, we kind of went through it. We had a little list of uh, notes here. So hopefully you're proud of us for our preparedness. It is after all a weekend and late. So what That's better exactly thing right. to do than look through yeah okay enough rambling let's get started 2017 laravel survey results 
What have you got? What did you, what did we find interesting in the Laravel survey, survey results this year, Mr. Dorinda? I think anyone that's really got the finger on the pulse won't be too surprised by any of these results. I think a lot of it is fairly obvious to most of us that are in the framework day to day, maybe more so for yourself and myself who are a little bit closer to the wire than than perhaps others given the nature of our uh, roles in the community, I guess. But um, sure. You know, nothing terribly surprising in, in the results. The number one reason why Laravel was selected by the community, by the by the people that responded to the survey is largely and overwhelmingly for its ease of use, which I think is is testament to the, the hard work that goes into development of the framework and making it, you know, the way that it is. For sure. And the second the second reason was documentation, which I think largely contributes to the ease of use. Mm-hmm. Right? Really, really good documentation makes it much easier to use. So props for that. Thank you for everybody who contributes to that and for uh, Taylor for making that awesome as well. Size of projects, uh, by far medium projects were the ones that uh, were selected as the most used. So the people who were surveyed, about 1,600 of those people said, yeah, medium projects. About 600 people said enterprise level projects. However, if you asked the people who were surveyed if they think that the, the framework is mature enough for enterprise projects, Pretty much everybody said yes, almost 1,800. So you've only got, let's see, you've only got uh, 600 people working on enterprise projects and you've got three times as many people saying that they believe it is ready yeah. for enterprise projects, yeah. which I think this, I mean, it's really just an opinion thing, right? Yeah. But I feel like it is. I'm not, I don't think I'm using it in anything that would be labeled quote unquote enterprise. They're really, you know, what is the marker for enterprise? Yeah, and I think that, I think that varies from person to person. I don't think there's any... I guess, you know, the the size of the business or whether or not you're interacting with other businesses plays a lot into it. You know, if you're quote unquote in an enterprise space, you're probably working with government or you probably have got external vendors that you cannot do your job with without them interacting. So, you know, it depends what what you are personally considering that for. I mean, interestingly, you know, as I said, as you said, the the number of people working on enterprise projects versus the number of people that think that Laravel is suitable enough or mature and robust enough for enterprise projects is, you know, there's a disparity of three to one there. But when you look at those people that think that it's mature enough for medium projects, it's about half that number. So I don't know how to read those stats. I don't, I don't think they're, I don't think they're necessarily the best metric, but you know, it tweets their own. Yeah, Absolutely. It looks like there's still a lot of demand out there for tutorials and articles, so everybody keep writing. And we're going to talk about some of the things that you guys wrote about today on the community links section. I'm excited to get to that. It was there was a lot of really good stuff down there in the community links today. So there's always a lot of good stuff in our community links, and there's always more coming. Uh, I think just in the last month or so that we've really been focusing on that aspect of of the Laravel News site. I've seen that there's been a good growth of not only the number of articles, but also the quality of the articles that are coming in to, to Laravel News. And if you're not aware, you can actually submit your own links to articles that you've written on Medium or on your own blog or any packages that you've put up on GitHub. So definitely, definitely do that if you have written something. It's a good way to share the knowledge with the community. Yeah, it's insane. Like I find it's so funny. Every time we look through these, I find like two or three things. I'm like, oh, I got to use that. I got to put that on my next project. Absolutely. Um, So yeah, keep them coming. It's good stuff. All right. Before we get into the, let's kind of, why don't we do this? Why don't we cover, there's kind of like, 
two sections here that I want to cover before we get to the new releases mm -hmm. for Laravel point releases here. Uh, we've got some presets that are going on here, uh, two of them in particular. And then we've got kind of some stuff with code editors. So let's talk about the presets. Why don't you tell us, first of all, what a preset is since you're responsible for one <laughs> of them. Okay. So in Laravel, I believe in Laravel 5.5, we were introduced with the ability to come up with presets in our application. So Laravel will ship with a, Laravel, a Bootstrap version 3 preset, which gives you the default look and feel of your application. It gives you a nice welcome page. It gives you uh, the login the or the auth auth views and functionality in your application. But in 5.5, we added the ability to swap those out much more easily. So there's a community project, which we'll link to in the show notes at Laravel Frontend Presets that have got some for Tachyons, there's a preset for Bulma, there's a preset for Semantic UI and a couple of other different frameworks. Naturally, when Tailwind CSS came out, someone was going to do it. I was fortunate enough that it released late enough in the day in the US or in the you know the northern hemisphere that I was able to it spend... It was like 10 o'clock p.m., right? Yeah, it was quite late in the day. So I, I basically had half a day to work on it and, and got that out pretty quickly. So there is, we'll link it in the show notes, but there is a, a Tailwind CSS preset, which is up to date as of this morning. I just pushed a, a new release for it for version 0.2.1 of Tailwind CSS, which seems to be ticking along pretty nicely. But our very own Paul Redmond, I believe, is responsible for the other one. Did you want to talk about that, Jake? Is it the Bootstrap 4 one? It is the Bootstrap 4 one. Yeah, so Bootstrap 4, well, before I get to that, tell me about how I, how do I get this these presets like pulled in? What's, what's the best way? So like, okay, let's say I want to start with Tailwind. Essentially, there is an artisan command that you can run once you have pulled in one of these preset packages. So it's just like any other composer package that you can... Just composer install? Yeah, okay. yeah so you just Got composer it. install the package. Uh, it'll come in. Most of them are now updated for Laravel 5.5. So they've already got their service providers auto discovery with yeah. auto discovery. And yeah, it's just a matter of running PHP artisan preset and then the name of the preset. And what that will do is it'll pull in your the, the views, any um, JavaScript, any CSS that needs to go along with that. It will probably remove any of the defaults. So it's it's generally recommended to use these presets when you start a new application or at least one that you've got in version control. So when it starts blowing away things and rewriting your package.json file and things like that, you don't lose anything. Um, but it's certainly sure. a really good way when you start to pick your CSS framework or JavaScript framework of choice or even no framework, it's easy to just say PHP artisan preset none and that will remove all the default view scaffolding and the bootstrap scaffolding and things like that. Yeah, it just blows it all away. So by default, I think it comes with uh, Bootstrap 3, right? Yep. So that's the current Bootstrap production 3, which version is, or main right. release version. Which in case you've been living under a rock is no longer being like actively developed, right? It's like kind of like bug fixes only because they've decided to throw all their weight behind Bootstrap 4, which is kind of the next thing we want to talk about. So there is a Bootstrap 4 Laravel preset uh, for Laravel 5.5. So Bootstrap 4 is in beta or beta as the, our uh, Aussie friends would call it. And so it includes the SCSS files, your imports, your JavaScript plugins, jQuery, popper.js, which basically just means tooltips, which Michael and I found after looking yeah. it up. We're like, why don't you just call it tooltips? What is popper? I think anyway. there is a tooltip.js, which is probably why they called it popper. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Uh, okay. So there's that's out there anyway, and uh, it imports all the stuff that you need for Bootstrap 4. So yeah, it's a preset too, and that's done. Thank you, Mr. Paul Redman. 
Okay, so that's the presets section here. The next thing we've got is we've got editors that we're going to talk about. So have you heard kind of like, there's, it seems like there's been a lot of discussion recently around editors. Like there's always a lot of discussion around editors, but it seems like there's been a lot of discussion around editors recently. A lot more than usual, I think. Yeah, and a lot of them, I guess, are starting to push the envelope a little bit in what they do. I think there's a bit of a gap in the market a bit of a cry, particularly with some of the stuff that both Visual Studio Code and Atom have done in the last week or so. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. So uh, first of all, Laracasts has a free Visual Studio Code course out there. So Visual Studio Code, VS Code, is created by Microsoft, I believe, correct? That is correct. Which they're kind of entering the market again in a big way, pushing towards web developers yeah. and really trying to make some awesome stuff for us. Doing a lot of open source stuff in general, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which has been interesting. So yeah, we got this Visual Studio Code course that Jeffrey Way has put out there. Thank you, Jeffrey. Haven't had a chance to check it out, but it's about probably how to get your editor set up and uh, how to be most effective when using it for PHP. Jeffrey also has courses out there for, for Sublime and PHP Storm, which if you use either of those, which I'm assuming you do, uh, they are you can't miss them. You have to go check those out for, for those editors. He just helps a lot with, yeah. with uh, helping you discover things that you need to know or if you didn't know that uh, you need to I would just up. like to shout out to Jeffrey as well. We know and we love all of the work that he does with Laracast. He's a great teacher. The videos are always new and informative and fresh and all that kind of stuff. But I would just like to point out the fact that he recorded 17 of these in one day and released them one per oh my hour gosh. in the space of one day. Now, for any of you who have tried to record a screencast, not many of us are at the level where Jeffrey is doing it constantly. Like this is his lifeblood. This is how he earns a crust. But for any of those of us, myself included, who have tried to record you know three minute screencast or a five minute screencast for those of us who don't do it regularly can take like an hour or two hours each so kudos to him absolutely yeah also i was thinking about this today i was listening to his most recent laracast snippet and tell me if i'm crazy i think there would be like a market for jeffrey putting a cd out like i so badly i feel like i've been teased so much about music? jeffrey way's yeah. guitar playing ability seriously don't you like Listen to the Laravel podcast recently and Matt Stauffer interviewed Jeffrey and he was just like, yeah, talking about how he played guitar and stuff. And I'm like, I so badly want to hear Jeffrey play guitar. Yeah. I would totally buy a CD of Jeffrey playing guitar. <laughs> Jeffrey, this is your opportunity to market, you know, fa fall in love again with guitar and just put out like a CD of like covers and I would totally buy it. Acoustic covers. Would you buy I would, you would, totally I would buy, buy an, Of course I would. Acoustic covers. Because I just buy everything. But acoustic covers, yeah, if he just did an everything. acoustic covers CD or you know iTunes album or whatever Spotify anything I would I would definitely listen to it. Oh absolutely. Yeah, or we could get a Laravel band together like he could play guitar, David Hemphill could be vocals, uh <laughs> Adam Wathen could do some bass or no, Matt Stauffer bass, uh Adam Wathen would be, you know, mixer or whatever. I don't know. It would be crazy. These guys are also multi-talented. Makes me sick. I think we could All right, anyway, we'll get Yaz to uh Yeah. He could he could rap. There we go. Perfect. I like that idea. Okay, so then off off of our tangent here. So it sounds like Visual Studio Code announced a live share real-time editor collaboration. So I watched a quick little clip on this and it's like you can say in the editor, hey, start a new real-time editing, editing session. And then you can kind of like send a link to somebody and they can open that in their editor and it will show 
where your mouse is mm -hmm. kind of like collaborative stuff on the Google docs, yeah. right? Like, where's their mouse? Like you can highlight a section and then say, this is where I'm at. It'll show up on the other person's screen. So you're not doing a screen share, but it's like a collaborative work environment in a single editor. And you can actually, it will go across editors like Microsoft editors. So somebody can be having it open in VS code and somebody else can be using like, I can't remember like some other editor that's a Microsoft editor. Yeah. I can't remember what it is. Yeah. And it'll just show across both of them. And then you can also open like a debug session where it will open up the console on both of them or something and enter breakpoints. Uh, it's pretty crazy. So that's that's really neat. And that's available right now. So if you have a team that uses Visual Studio Code, you pretty much just have to do like you would do your uh, Slack call, like your voice call, and then open up one of these real-time editor collaboration things and you could pair that way. Because let's be honest, Screen Hero is the best, yeah. but unfortunately it's going away. And the Slack video, the Slack like sharing calls are just, they suck. Yeah, the they really quality do. is like, not good at all. The quality is horrible. No, I'm talking about on a local network. Like I do, I mean, of course it has to go up to Slack and back down, but yeah, I've, I've not been impressed with it, unfortunately. Yeah, it's disappointing. So that's the one thing we had. Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing we had to mention about Visual Studio. How about Adam? Adam's got this teletype. Yeah. Talk to us about Adam that. Adam has essentially done the same thing, right? That they do real-time code co Looks collaboration like and they've they've called it teletype. So real-time code collaboration. Yeah. Yep. So hopefully this will be, I, I would really like to see this as like um, almost like a default feature in editors. Mm. Uh, it would be great if you could do it in PHP Storm. One thing that is a pain that kind of the Visual Studio Code one handles is you can use the shortcuts that you have set up on your machine and edit the code on the other yeah. person's computer. Yeah, I like that. That I, I did read that. That basically your editor, but their code kind of thing. So you can use it as though exactly you pulled in the repository or the or the code base into your own editor instance locally. So all of your shortcuts and all that kind of stuff works for you, and it'll work exactly the same. You know, however they've got it set it up on their end as well, which is really cool. But I'm still not sold on this whole. You know, you've got to use Slack or you've got to use Skype. I know that. It's always been tremendously useful for me when I've when I've paired with other people to be able to use that because Screen Hero lets both users control the same screen. You can see the same code at the same time, and that's something that's really missing. And I don't like it's baked into Slack now, but unless you're paying for it, you don't get any of that functionality anyway. So right, it's a, right, it's a real right. shame for Screen Hero. Yeah, it is. It's a sad day, but that means what that means is that'll be a competitor that comes up. That's just what it means. It's just. It's the market, yeah, right? It's just Hopefully. matter of when. Um, okay. So, but yeah, I, I love that. And I would really like to see this as like a core feature for like all editors. That'd be excellent. I mean, I doubt, I don't think we'll see this in Sublime, right? But I wouldn't have thought so. Hey, who knows? Who knows? I, I, I doubt it. PHP Storm. If there's anybody who works for PHP Storm who's listening to this, that would be, this would be an awesome feature. Number one, because I would do this even if I went to like one of my other developers office and like I do that sometimes. I'll just take my computer mm -hmm. and sit with them and we'll go over a pull review to, or a pull, uh, pull request together. And it would be nice to be able to work on his screen right there, but use my shortcuts and everything. So anyway. Yeah, definitely. That's that. All right, cool. Let's move on to the Laravel updates. And before we do that, let's give away FBAR code. So FBAR version two is released. We talked about this a couple weeks ago and I have a special code for whoever. Here it is, 2E1C051C. Enjoy your copy of FBAR two. Laravel 5.5.20. This, this is the more feature packed one of the two. So let's start with this. What do you got? I've got, I've got a couple of things written down here. We wanna start with the new assertions. For testing, let's do, 
Assertions go. There's assert Jason exact. It looks like if you have something, like you're trying to say that it should be missing this and you have a little object there. If any of the stuff matches, it's not gonna fail. So like if you have a created attribute and you have a name attribute and the created attribute is different, but the name attribute is the same, it'll say, yep, looks good. So a certain JSON exact says all of them have to be exactly the, you know, it has to be the exact same or it will fail, which is what you want. Yeah. So not just the presence of the keys, but I guess the values uh, are exactly the same as well. Right. And so in the other one, a certain, a certain JSON missing. So if any of the keys have the similar, if any of the keys at all have similar values, it will, it won't pass your assertion. Once again, there is a code snippet here that makes this clear as day. If you go look at it, it makes sense. <laughs> I'm just having a terrible time translating this. Yeah. So go look at the blog post. It's, it's in the show notes. Nobody goes to the show notes, but that's where they're at. That's where it's at. Okay. This other one, we were both the first one. Okay. That's, that's exciting. Great for people who deal with that. This is the one that we're all super stoked about right here. Yeah, it is. Are you ready? Assert validation errors. Okay, so this helps assert that a given keys are in the errors key of a JSON response with validation errors. Crap, I just read that for the first time. It has to be a JSON response? Yeah. Dang it, because that means it would only work. Well, it doesn't matter. I don't, it does not matter. I'm not sure. So like, does it have to be an API sort of call? Does it have to be a... I assume it's the API call. Right, it is. But like, what if I want to like, what if I want to just hit a post mm -hmm. and then assert that I have validation errors? This won't work. Right? Unless I specifically said, send that it's a JSON. It checks the errors key of the JSON response. Right. Hmm. Okay. Maybe there's a little bit less rejoicing, but it's still, it's still yeah, good. But I've been doing a lot of stuff with internal APIs at the moment. You know, if your components posting to, to JSON endpoints and it's always a yeah, struggle yeah. for me because you've got to get the response back. You have to decode the, the response JSON. You have to look in the errors key and make sure that everything's there. So I don't know this, this chap here gimcrack on on github jeremy bloomstrom thank you thank you very much you are a saint you are indeed a saint yeah very good so assert that given keys are in the errors key of a json response with validation errors yeah it's awesome it's amazing thank you very much jeremy appreciate it in addition in that same pull, pull request he also added the assert json count method which allows you to make assertions about how many items exist in a json array so if your response, you've got your default Laravel 5.5 response, which has a data key or a data property. And inside that property, you have an array of objects. You can now make an assertion against the number of items that are in that data property or in any property that you give it. So basically it's, it's a two parameter method, assert JSON count, the number of items that you expect to be in the, the key. And then the second parameter is the key that you want to assert against. So yeah, if you just want to make sure that your data property or your data array contains two values, you would say assert JSON count two comma data. And that's it. There you go. Yeah, that's awesome. That's very good. Okay, cool. We've also got this. We've talked about some of this stuff a little bit before where we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, like fluent middleware. Or fluent route methods. Yeah. Yeah. What was it that we were talking about before? I'm trying to remember. It was like where you could pass multiple middlewares in. I think that's what it was. Yeah. You could pass multiple Correct. middlewares in. Okay, and what would the thing was is you couldn't pass them in in any way other than in an array. You'd have to mm -hmm. pass them in as an array. And now you can pass them in just as a comma-separated list of values. So it's a variadic argument. 
Have you yeah. ever used variadic arguments or do you use them often? Yeah, in in a project that I did a little while ago, it was a nice way to pass things in and then spread them out into an internal call. So I didn't know how many things necessarily I was going to pass in. I had a method that basically checked if steps in the form had been completed. So the first time I called it, it was only testing the first the first step was completed. In the second instance, it would check the first and the second step and so on and so forth. So all I wanted to do is take all of that input and then throw it back in. So before variadic functions existed in PHP, you might have done a func get args, for example, and that would have returned sure. any and all of the, the arguments uh, as an array and you could make assertions or tests against that. So with variadic, it allows you to basically pass them all in and then spit them all back out into some internal method call. Yeah, they're really helpful for for specific use cases. And then you've got array unpacking, which is really cool in 7.1, I think. I mean, there was always like list, but array unpacking, like uh, short syntax is pretty yeah. cool in uh, new yep. stuff. Yeah, there's some really new, there's some really neat stuff that you can do around that. And uh, if you haven't looked into that before, I would I would suggest checking it out. It's pretty cool. One thing you and I did did cotton onto when we were looking at this particular change with the route middleware, and I, I don't think either of us were aware that you could do this. Oh yeah, yeah, but yeah. But you can right, right, you can right. actually Go pass the class the middleware class as a string by the looks of it directly into the the route middleware method. So where where you would normally or common What's the word? The common convention in Laravel is to create a key in your middleware array in the HTTP kernel class. And yep. so you would have a key yeah, yeah. of you know middleware and then the value would be the path to that middleware class. It looks like you can pass the middleware class directly into the middleware method in your route. Now, this is untested. And if I'm off base or if you have more information on it, definitely reach out to us. But... I was unaware that that was something you could do, which is kind of cool. As was I. Yeah, especially this is especially helpful if you're only using it in like one place, mm. right? If you just wanted to just chuck it into your routes file instead of yep. having to register it in your kernel, be a cool, cool way to do it. Awesome. Oh, the last thing on here, all on queue and all on connection for job chain. So Muhammad put this in, I believe. So if you have a job chain, okay, so you can specify job A. So you have like one job. And you say with chain, and then you pass in an array of other jobs that you want to occur subsequent to that one. So you have job A, job B, job C. After the first one completes, job B will get dispatched, job C will get dispatched. But if, for instance, you wanted to dispatch all of these on a specifically named queue, let's say you were doing some sort of function that all related to email, you could say, uh, or previously what you would have had to do is on each one of those jobs, you would have had to say, on queue and then name the queue that you were dispatching it to. But now what you can do is after you've specified all the jobs, you can just say all on queue and then you can name the queue. Or you can also say all on connection if you wanted to specify a connection different than what your default was. Mm -hmm. And that will that will uh, affect all of the jobs in that chain. You do have also the option to override that by specifying a specific uh, queue or connection inside your chain there so like if you wanted to release all of them to the email queue except for one you could do that as well yeah. the ones written on a specific job will overwrite uh, or override that uh that kind of all on queue or all on connection yeah so that's that looks really interesting uh, i still haven't gotten a chance to use these job chains i have a couple of places i could refactor to use them though uh so hmm. it's helpful for sure absolutely okay let's see 5.5.21 Got a couple cool things in here. 
that I wrote down. Why don't you talk about the AWS custom file thing? Yeah, so with AWS, generally when you use the storage facade to generate your accessible URLs, so especially if you're uploading stuff into Amazon as private, you won't be able to access it directly at the URL slash whatever the object key is. You would have to generate a, a temporary URL. Now, these will usually come back as bucket.region.s3.amazonaws.com or something along those lines. Amazon does let you configure those URLs to be something customized based on your domain name or something else using DNS. So my understanding is that you can just point a CNAME from your thing. So we could have files.laravel-news.com CNAME through to the AWS link. And that way, anytime you generate a URL, using this new configuration option in your file system config, it would then return the URL as HTTPS files.laravel-news.com slash whatever your object key is instead of the default Amazon URL. So if you wanted to hide the fact that, you know, you're using Amazon, I mean, people would figure it out. But if you wanted to, you know, for vanity purposes, sure. obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Then you could certainly do that. And it's just a matter of adding the URL key into your S3 configuration inside your config file system.php file. So yeah, if, you, if you're if you on the latest 55.21 release of Laravel, that feature is available to you now. I am guessing you probably also have to be using the latest version of the AWS API. Um, Potentially. Because I think there's version four now, isn't there? It was, I've been using version three for a while and I'm pretty sure that like recently I was working on it and like had the um, version set to like latest or whatever and it's popped to version four now okay i think yeah I'm, so i mean i'm know, sure the dependencies sure. will, will be there maybe check the composer.json i don't i don't believe there's been any change to the laravel docs to to complement this i mean there is a lot of stuff that is in the underlying s3 sdk that is not necessarily exposed through fly system or through laravel's sure. wrappers as well so I think we're just we're just wrapping over the top of that and providing the functionality now. Oh, which by the way, in case you missed it a couple episodes ago, we caught and talked about how if you're using S3, and actually I think there's a couple other drivers you can do it for now, but there's a new method called get temporary URL, mm -hmm. which will just build out that temporary URL for you. So it makes it really convenient to do that. It used to be you have to pull in the S3 SDK yeah. and then kind of do it yourself. And now you can just say like storage, get, and then go grab that object and then say get temporary URL. Mm -hmm. And it makes that works life pretty much well. easier. It works pretty well. Oh, so easy. And it, it looks really nice in your code. And now you can do these custom URLs. It's just, it's amazing. So super stoked about that. I'm definitely going to use that. Yeah. The one other thing that stuck out to me as in, in this release was that there is this with middleware method that you can now use inside mm -hmm. your tests. So you're probably familiar with the without middleware method yep. that you can use in your tests. So like if, for instance, you, and I think you can also do it as a, as a trait. I think there's without middleware's traits. In your tests, yeah. Yeah, I think. So you can have the trait or you can have a, method where you say like this without middleware. So maybe in your setup method of your test, you would say this without middleware, and then you can specify the specific middleware that you don't want to use. But now you can kind of like turn it on selectively for other tests, yeah. say with middleware, and then you can specify just a specific middleware that you want to run through, which is pretty cool. I was not aware of that. Yeah, which is handy. Yeah, very neat. Okay, uh, we have got also, there was one other thing. And that was this tutorial that Paul Redmond had written called Learn How to Write a Vue.js Wrapper Component. So this is interesting. There's a lot of times where 
I'll want to use like a date picker or I'll want to use like select two, which is a little jQuery thing that kind of wraps over a select element and makes it, you know, multi-select or and I can do like a things like that. Uh, type ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you got to use jQuery to do it. A lot of these things are written in jQuery and that's, that's just kind of how yeah. it is, right? So what you end up having to do is you end up having to like in the footer of your page, do some initialization where you say, I, I give this select box an ID in my blade and then I kind of initialize it in the bottom of my page after the document is ready, right? And use jQuery. So what this tutorial does is essentially teaches you how to take that jQuery stuff and wrap it into a view component so that you don't have to do anything at the bottom of those pages anymore where you want to utilize this functionality. You can basically just say, here's my select input and it's going to be a select two and that you can make that a view component now. And you can use the jQuery behavior inside your view component. And he shows you how to do that using like the mounted uh, lifecycle event. And then you still use jQuery, but you just use it inside of the view component instead of having to put it in the footer of your document or whatever, or the footer of your HTML page. Yeah. So this is super helpful and it makes it very portable, right? So now you can just put it anywhere in your site. You don't have to worry about if you have that initialization code at the bottom of your page or not. So definitely check that out. It is in the show notes and it's amazing. Thank you, Paul. Lovely. Lovely. It's a lovely day, isn't it? It is. It's a bit warm. A bit warm. Spot a tea? No, you got that wrong. No tea. <laughs> spot, spot a tea? What are you guys doing in Aussie land? You guys have Australian beer. tea. Australian morning tea. You gave me that. That's right, I did. I don't drink tea. Uh, no, spot beer. Sp beer, cider, <laughs> wine, alcohol, <laughs> rum. Spot a beer, mate. Yeah, let's see it. Grab another one. It's a beer and... Beer and, beer and uh, What's the, I'm going to sound like German now. What's the uh, beer and Vegemite? Vegemite, yeah. You don't Delicious. have tea time, you have beer time. That's right, beer and Vegemite, yeast and yeast. <laughs> There's the yeasty folks down there. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about Vaga Vaga. Vaga, Vaga. I'm so excited. It's going to be good. We're going to talk about this next. Yeah, it is. It's going to be great. But before we get there, we're going to take a quick break and talk about focus. Michael, do you have any problems with focusing? All the time. All the time. Don't we all, don't we all have problems with focusing? We do. And it's because of Telegram and Twitter. Darn you. Yeah. Telegram and Twitter. Yeah. I hate you. But we also love you. It's a love-hate relationship. So there's this book called Deep Work. I was reading it a while ago. Jack McDade talked about it at Laracon 2017. And just this idea of really being able to eliminate all distractions and just focus, right? And get into deep work and kind of get into that flow state where you're just getting crap done. And the the way it's kind of, I was trying to do that the other day and I get frustrated or I got frustrated because I was trying to turn my Mac on like do not disturb mode pretty much. Like don't let me see any notifications, right? Yeah. If I get an email, it doesn't matter. It can wait. If I get a telegram, it doesn't matter. It can wait, but I don't want to go through and like close my email and close my telegram and, and all that stuff, right? Don't let me see text message alerts, all that. Mm -hmm. And the issue I always have was like, I'll turn on DND and then like, I'll get to the end of my day and realize, oh crap, I forgot to turn that back. You know, I turned, forgot to turn it off yeah. after my focus time was done. And so I'll turn it on and like, I'll get like a hundred emails. Oh crap, you know, <laughs> I got all this stuff I got to catch up on, right? So I was like, I just want a way to selectively say like, let me focus for like the next 45 minutes, you know, just, just let me do that. Yeah. And then after I'm done with that, like turn my DND off. 
And so I was looking for a way to do that via command line and I stumbled across this app, Focus. So what Focus does is it does a couple of things for you. It turns your Mac on DND if you want it to. It's kind of an additional option. It has a scripting option that you can say, when I go in focus mode, run these scripts. And that's how I stumbled upon it is because they have this script that will turn on your DND via like a bash command. And then once your focus time is done, it'll turn it, turn it back off. But it will, it will turn off all your notifications. It will actually stop you from visiting distracting sites like Twitter, YouTube, whatever, even your mail. You can set up custom times. You can say focus for 45 minutes, focus for 25 minutes. You can say take a five-minute break. It shows a little timer up in the top right corner so you know kind of uh, how much time you've got left. So it's really been awesome. I've been using it, and it's great. And so I reached out to the makers of Focus and said, hey, I've got a lot of people who would really love to have this. And would you be willing to give us any codes to give out? And they said, yes, absolutely. Here's 20 of them. 20. <laughs> so I'm going to give away one here. Here's, here's the secret, okay? The secret is that this is good for five activations. So what that means is don't be a jerk and steal all five activations. Just take one and move along. And here's the code. Oh my word, am I going to read this whole thing? It is pretty lengthy. It is. This is going to be some work for somebody. It's like what? Like 64 characters? <laughs> How many characters is that? <laughs> Should I read this on air? There's 40 characters. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right, folks, you're going to have to work for this one. I'm going to read it. We're going to go for Maybe it. Maybe people should it's, just tweet uh, at us. Would it be easier? What do you think? Tweet at us and we will DM you do. a code. Okay, that's it. That's what we'll do. Tweet at us and we'll DM you a code. But what about the people who don't have Twitter? who listened to this email us hello at laravel-news.com all right i really want to read it but i'm gonna i'm gonna cave on this one because i feel bad like people you know what? i'm reading it also email us or hit us up on twitter and we will let you know we have 20 codes for goodness sakes so we're gonna we'll, we'll give away we'll give away 10 this week i'll give away five this way and five the other way okay i'm gonna read it here we go one four f four b two eight d 1C776F8B, CB3B7B24851227C89B2, 7B8B7B2, 4 If you got that all down, you deserve a copy of Focus. <laughs> Go check it out. It's awesome. Thank you, Focus, for donating that stuff. Really appreciate it. Okay, let's see. We got community links, and we also have something to talk to you about, Michael. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. I think now is as good a time as any. All right. Let's hit it. What you got? We have some Laracon news. Yay, Laracon. Taylor has announced on Twitter that the Laracon US website for 2018 will launch on Monday, the 27th of November. So that is Cyber Monday, I believe. Yes, it is. So the, the, Lar the Laracon US website will be up then. It will have information about the upcoming conference. It will probably have the location for those of you who have not guessed it already, for those of you not on Twitter, for those of you who have not seen Taylor's posts in the last day or three, depending on when you hear this. So the the city is nailed down, the location is nailed down, uh, now it's just a matter of, of waiting. So definitely look forward to seeing the venue. He has spoken very highly of it. Yes, so the, live, the site goes live on Cyber Monday with an email sign up. So you want to sign up on the email because it's first come first serve basis for early tickets in December. They will be emailed. So you will get emailed an opportunity to buy tickets. I'm hoping that so like I'm going to definitely get on that list first thing because I do not want to miss out because man, I don't know what the venue size is. I don't know how big it is, but I would be super sad 
to miss out on Laracon 2018. So I'm going to get on the list. Uh, yeah, really absolutely. Quickly. Yeah, it's yeah, going to yeah. be a crack. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't sell out like super fast. Man, there are some conferences I know that like literally they sell out within the first day. Yeah, you know, and uh, I mean that'd be really cool for Laracon, but it'd also be really sad because I want to make sure I'm one of the people who gets to go. Yeah. So anyway, anything else Laracon related? I don't know. Is there anything else going there on? There is. What's for those of you that listen, is there? for those oh. for those of you who listen to our other show, and for those of you who follow me personally on Twitter, I have been teasing for the last week or so. And sort of interspersed over the last few months, just random baseless tweets about a secret project that I've been working on. And I'm now in a position to share that secret project with everyone. And we'll link up more information about this in the show notes as well. But for the first time ever, for the first time ever, the Laracon conference is coming to Australia. Yay! It's going to be Aussie Land Lyricon. And who is running the show? Uh, well, it's me. Yes! It is. Look, I, I honestly have no idea what I've got myself into with this. But <laughs> so so far, everything has been going reasonably smoothly. But, you know, I've been doing a lot of it in secret. As I said uh, on, our, on our other show, there is a very small group of people that have known about this. I, I've, I was actually setting up the Twitter account for it the other day and I realized that I have had that Twitter account since September of 2016. So this has been on my mind for a long time. The first time I think I brought the, the subject up with Taylor was back in February of 2016. So I originally wanted to get it done last year, but I didn't have anywhere near enough time and uh, there was a lot of stuff going on. So uh, it's happening now. It's a real thing. It's a real boy or girl. It will be happening in Sydney. Uh, the venue I will share in January. So the landing page will be out by the time this recording is up. All, all I'm doing now is just gaining gaining interest. Make sure you get your name on there. Tell me that you are behind this idea that you are willing to come to Sydney and, and spend some time with the Laravel community in Australia. I, I think we've got a nice pocket. I don't you know, on the two trips that I've made to the US, there haven't been a huge presence of Australians there. I know Jason Varga was there, but he lives in, in Florida, so he kind of doesn't count. I think Louisville last year, maybe there were a couple of people from Australia as well. And Ben Corlett was mm -hmm. over this year. So we don't have yep, a big yep. contingent to the US. It's a long way to go. Europe's a long way to go. I think Australia is well positioned both time zone wise and physical location wise to, to capture a good number of people. So yeah. By signing up, by signing up for the email list, it is a binding contract saying that you will be in Sydney. That's what it is. So I'm waiting to. Eh, I don't know. I'm just kidding. No, definitely just sign up. Sign up for updates. You know, you don't yeah. have to. I mean, even if you're not going, just sign up to like show some support. Be like, yes, Michael, we think this is a great idea, yeah. and you go you. Yeah, you can do it. So, show Michael some love. Get on there. Sign up for the email list. Is it the is the site out or no? The site will be out by the time the, this recording's out. Yeah. So. Great. Um, I'm, so go go check it out. Is it? It is laricon.com.au. Okay, laricon.com.au. Great. There you go. So yeah, more information will be coming, as I said, when the site launches in January. Just finalizing some bits and pieces with the venue at the moment. I'm going to be working with a friend of mine who is a travel agent. We're going to lock down some great rates on um, accommodation. We're going to try and get everyone into one place if possible i know that networking is a big part of the conference it's you know a lot of people come for the talks but a lot of people also make some good friends and bounce ideas off of, off of each other so things are pretty good 
if you are if you're interested in sponsoring the event i would definitely love to hear from you there will be more information about that on the website as well so yeah awesome speaking of amazing people sponsoring stuff jan ustland fbar2 here's the next promo code 8ffa888 fbar2 license enjoy i use it every day people seriously every day love it Michael, super exciting too about the uh, Laracon stuff. Sorry, I was uh, so excited to give out that code. I didn't really respond to what you said. <laughs> yes, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. And you do such a good job with this sort of stuff. You are very well organized and disciplined. And I know it's going to be awesome. So Yeah, thank you. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we've got like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to limit us to like 10 minutes here. And if we get it 10 minutes, then we'll be right at about an hour. So we've got 10 minutes to go over four things. I think we can do it. Four community links things I wanted to go over. Odin, which is a package, and then three tutorials, essentially. So Odin, do you want to talk about this, Michael? You looked at it with me. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you talk about that real quick? Yeah. Odin is a graphical user interface to manage model revisions. So if you've ever used WordPress, you know that when you make revisions to a post or you have drafts and things like that, it will show you changes between different revisions. So Odin is essentially a web UI that does just that. It will track changes to your models on, on any fields, I guess, that you configure between, between those models. So you can track changes in your post title or post body or things like that. It will show you what the value was before and what it is now and, and basically just slots right in to your Laravel 5.5 installation. It's got its uh, package auto-loading. It also adds the necessary routes to your routes routes file, adds uh, its package compilation stuff into Webpack, uh, your your mix configuration as well, and basically goes from there. So uh, if you've ever been in a position yeah. where you need to track revisions of, of things, I guess if you need an audit trail, it would be really handy for that kind of stuff as well, which probably play right into your wheelhouse, Jake. Yeah, I was thinking about it. Uh, we've we've kind of implemented stuff similar to this, but not with a GUI. Basically, just like in the case of emergency, mm-hmm. we have a backup sort of thing. Yeah, there's a couple of ways you can do that, right? So you can take like daily snapshots or hourly snapshots or whatever of your database, depending on how large it is. But the next thing about this is like you can have multiple revisions and you can basically just say restore from revision or delete revision or whatever. And you can see them all in a really nice little format. The the one thing that we've kind of used some of this stuff for for in the past is like, you know, like, oh, crap protection. Like, OK, let's say you have a disgruntled employee and you have like this knowledge base that's been built up over the last five years. And then you have this person who's like pissed off because they got they got fired. And before they can lose access to their computer, they go in and just like you know, screw up. They, they copy and paste lorem ipsum into yeah. all the knowledge base yeah. items. And you're just like, oh my gosh, we lost all that information. So that's kind of like been what we've want, wanted to protect against. I don't know if we've ever had an instance of that happening. I think maybe one time, which is why we wanted to put it in place. Yeah. But something like this would totally accomplish those purposes, right? Like, oh, I'll just roll back to the previous revision. No big deal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it looks like it's a really cool project. If it's something that you would need to use, don't reinvent the wheel. Just use this package. It looks like it's really well done and customizable. So cool. The next thing I wanted to talk about is using fetch with Laravel. So if you've if you're on the uh, you know JavaScript hotness train, you may have heard about sending AJAX requests using this fancy fetch API. So it looks like if you are using that in Laravel, uh, this user, uh, oh man, Yergus Lejko, help me out, help me out, Michael. <laughs> Yergus Lejko. 
<laughs> there we go. I'm not even going to try it again. <laughs> but he was trying to do this, and Laravel was responding with a 404 without any particular reason, apparently. He didn't query an API route. He was not using an API middleware group. He's just hitting a regular web route and just hoping to use the same session-based authentication you know, that you normally have in place. Mm-hmm. And so it turns out the Fetch API does not attach cookies to the request by default. So since there are no cookies, Laravel can identify your session. Therefore, it's not able to recognize a logged-in user, right? And so he says in order to in order to send cookies along, you have to set the credentials same origin in the, in the fetches in the fetches configuration object. And so he explains all this. I basically just read you his entire blog post, but really handy for any of those uh, of us who are interested in using some of these new JavaScript APIs that are out there. And this would definitely be one of those ones where you like bang your head up against a wall for a while trying to figure this out. And he figured it out for us. So thank you, Yergus. Very good, Yergush. 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 Uh, next one we get to talk about is Vaga Vaga. <laughs> Go, Michael. So this this is a blog post written by Tim McDonald, and Jake is very excited about this because I told him about an advertising campaign that was run in Australia a year or two ago with Arnold Schwarzenegger, where he, he got off a plane. He had somehow mistaken a trip to Australia for a trip to Austria and was so excited about all of the new real estate including towns such as Vaga Vaga. So I will include- Which is actually oh. not Vaga Vaga, right? It-, <laughs> it is not. It's just Wagga Wagga because, you know, we're, we're Aussies <laughs> and so uh, Vaga Vaga actually sounds much more um, exotic than what, what, it, what, it, what it really is. So we'll, yes. we'll link that up in the show notes. But long, long story short, this, this blog post talks about using Sparsi's Laravel backup package to backup multiple sites and frameworks. So where you would ordinarily install the package into a, you know, into each application's repository, so you would have three different sites, you would have three different installs and three different configurations of Laravel backup. What this blog post talks you through is a way to essentially set up a single application that is responsible only for doing backups. And what this essentially boils down to is giving you two important things. One is that you have a single retention policy across all of those applications. And the other thing is that you have a single backup schedule and it it deals with delegating each of the backups um, within there. So it, it basically sits on top and extends the default backup command and then allows you to just say, for this run of the backup command, you should back up HomeForge Site 1. For this one, it's HomeForge Site 2. And it's really, once you've got it set up, just a matter of configuring the an array of, of sites that you want to back up. So you provide the domain, the database that needs to go along with it, and the path or paths that you want to back up for each of those sites. So it's it's a nice way, especially if you've got multiple sites set up on a Forge server, for example, makes it super simple to get backups running for each of those sites in one place. Sure. And if you like if the other sites are WordPress or whatever, right? So like WordPress, you know, doesn't you can't use Spassi's backup package on WordPress. Yeah. You know, because it's not a Laravel install, but you can use a Laravel install with Spassi's backup package to back up those other sites, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool. In case it wasn't obvious, is it Tim McDonald? Yeah, Tim McDonald. He's from Wagga Wagga, right? Yep. Which is why it's relevant that we say Wagga Wagga, <laughs> which got us into a whole other discussion about Arnold's Pizza Shop on YouTube. Yeah. Which is an amazing, amazing YouTube clip. I'm not going to rehash it all here, but. It's freaking hilarious. I laugh my head off every time I watch that thing. Every time. Okay. And because we're almost at time, let me see. Hold on. We'll close we... Yeah, we're, we've got one minute. Extending Laravel's migration command. There is an article out there by Ankit Pokrel. 
I'm slaughtering the name. I'm so sorry, Ankit. Um, but it talks about basically adding on these new uh, migration commands. So you could say PHP artisan migrate and then colon, and then your own command mm -hmm. there. So there's like, you know, reset, refresh, whatever, but you could add your own. And this is of interest to me because we are kind of developing an umbrella application where we have like a Laravel install and then we have all these little micro applications inside of it because they don't really justify their own Laravel install. They're just kind of tiny. I didn't want to set up like a new sentry error tracking and a new like Slack integration and a new, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. You know, I don't want to set up all that stuff for all these little micro apps that we're going to be making. And so the way that we have that working with migrations, though, is we have for each one of the applications, they do each have their own database. Because I didn't want to have like conflicting, I didn't want to have to be like, well, I named, I used, I already used the states table, so I can't use that again. So we do actually have a separate database for each one of these little micro applications. So we had to do some fancy stuff with our migrations. And it would be really nice for me to be able to have a custom migration so I could just kind of reset or refresh one of those databases, sets of, sets of migrations, instead of having to kind of do all of them. Yep. So I'm definitely going to use this uh, kind of tutorial article here and make my own called PHP artisan migrate colon micro and then specify the name of my service. Yeah. The other thing that we Pretty talked cool. about before the show on, on the back of this is how simple it is to really extend and override a lot of Laravel framework core stuff. So you can read more about it in, in this specific post, but it's a matter of extending the app service provider that Laravel ships with, with your own, implementing a couple of functions to then override the defaults and then add any additional functionality you want to do this kind of stuff. So byproduct of reading this post is you'll learn that kind of thing uh, aside from the specifics around extending the migration command. Right, you can extend any command kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One last thing I wanted to talk about just before we go is that we put out the call last episode for folks who are going to be hosting Laravel themed meetups to reach out to us so that we can spread the word and, and make sure that everyone really gets involved in these meetups that are popping up all around the world. So we had contact on Twitter from Vitor Kanako, who is running the very first or the pilot, as he calls it, version or iteration of Laravel Lisbon. So this looks like it's going to be a really great event. Vitor himself is going to be speaking. There's going to be talks from Pedro Magalhães, I apologize for pronunciation of your last name, Pedro. And a special guest on this one, which I'm really looking forward to, and I hope that we'll be able to uh, see this later on down the track, is a Q&A session with Matt Stauffer. So I believe uh, that this is the first time that Matt has done one of these guest spots. So it's really cool to see that those folks at the sort of upper echelon of our community are getting invited and, and not only invited, but also willing and able to speak at these kind of events. So uh, that's happening on the 28th of November. We will link up the meetup in the show notes. If you are in Lisbon, absolutely try and make it out there. Um, and if not, then um, certainly tell us about your, your upcoming Laravel meetup. Okay, we did it. 10 minutes, we made it. Thank you, everyone, for sticking around for this long. Appreciate it. I know that we ramble sometimes, but, uh, you know, it's we, we started this at 1030 and it's now 1209. So <laughs> it tends to happen. Uh, all right. Thanks so much for listening to episode 50, the big 5-0. What would that be called? It's not like a, it's not, it's like, a, is it a bicentennial? No, it'd be 200. Yeah. No, no. Bicentenary is 200. We just called it a golden anniversary. Golden anniversary. There it is. Thanks for listening. 
So you can find show notes for this episode at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 50. If you like the episode, please feel free to rate us up in your podcatcher of choice. I mean, if for nothing else, because we give away free software on here. I mean, come on, right? Five stars. That's all we ask. If you have any feedback or you have any questions or want to tell us about your amazing community link that you submitted that you want us to talk about, hit us up at our own personal Twitter accounts or at Laravel News on Twitter. We'd really love to talk to you. Um, I think that's it. That's like the post thing. That's like the end of it there. Yeah. So I think that's all of it. Do we yep. have any more software to give away? No more software. Hey, if you want some software, if you want Focus, which is an amazing application, hit us up on Twitter. We'll send you something. <laughs> that's all. We'll send you something. We'll send you You're something. You're waiting for me to say something else. No, no. We'll send you, we'll send you something. You may, not, you may not enjoy it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. We'll see you in two weeks. See you later. Bye. I've decided that it's time for me to move back to Austria. Really? I've been looking at realestate.com.au, and Austria has some great places. Realestate.com.au is Australia, sir. <laughs> Dylan, <laughs> you're pronouncing so funny. That's what I like about you. Well, I... But look at these places here. Sydney, Vaga Vaga. But no Vienna, right? I know, so much has changed. But this gives me the tools, the information, the market data. I mean, this is fantastic. Book me some inspections, all right? Sir, but what about the movie? They can use my double. Hello. How are you doing? <laughs> Come on.